Welcome back. You're still listening to the Valley Labor Report, Alabama's only union talk radio show. Let's just give it up really quick for Jules Taylor. That was, I think that's the first time that I've actually got to just kind of sit and listen to the break music. Because most of the time, so, you know, like I've said a couple times, we're pre-taping this show. And so most of the time when we're live, I'm like running around, you know, trying to make sure everything's ready for overtime and, and or using the bathroom or, or whatever. And so we, uh, uh, you know, I'm a, a little bit more laid back right now uh, because I know that if I make a mistake or, you know, say something like crazy, I can just edit it out. Um, and so I just kind of listen to it. Man, it is really, really good. It is. This yeah. Very impressed. Beat. Very yeah. impressed and, and really appreciate Jules for, for that good work. Yeah. So we're now in overtime, and we've got some good stuff for you. Joe Marshall is going to be talking to you about redesign, about cooperative management. Had a lot of names, but it was all the rage back in the 80s and the 90s. And basically what it was, it was a, it was a scheme by management to try to get workers to... Um, make their jobs more efficient so as to cut them. Not so as to, like, share the profits with them or cut their hours, but make sure their salary was the same. Joe saw what was coming down the pike. He knew that this was going to kill jobs, and he warned people about it, and his local was on board with it. And they fought it tooth and nail the whole way. Um... And, you know, not without and, – and, you know, this is one of the things – this is a really interesting conversation that I had with him because a lot of things – a lot of a, – a big part of the criticism of unions is that they make things less efficient. And, well, to, to – on, on one hand, we can say in large part that's not true because we can see the work products that union labor puts out. And they are generally better because workers um, have the job security. They have the time to do the job well. They're, uh, they have a certain amount of pride in their work. They do it safer. And so in a certain sense, we can say that actually it, it improves the product. But in another sense, we can say that workers have fought things like automation or job efficiency things that's not going to necessarily improve the product, just cut down on the labor hours. And why is it? That they do that. Why do they do that? They do it because they know that the gains that come from automation or the gains that come from efficiency, if you still have a management's rights clause in the contract, they're not going to go to the workers. All of the gains are going to be pulled up and given to management. And that's an issue. And so rationally, Workers and unions have fought automation. Rationally, they have. But one of the things that Joe pointed out in our conversation was that they were never against the redesign concept wholesale or automation wholesale. They always said, if you genuinely are interested in a cooperative management style, if you're genuinely interested in increasing efficiency and making this product better and working together as a team, let's take out the management's rights clause. 
Let's take out that clause and let's make production decisions together. Let's actually decide how we're going to operate this enterprise cooperatively. Give us a say in what we make, in how we make it, in how ours are divvied up, in how, you know, in the production of the paper. Give us a say and we'll do it. But management always laughed at him. And so who was actually, who was actually the impediment to efficiency at the Cortland paper mill? It wasn't Joe. It wasn't the union. It was the bosses. Because they refused to share what would be if any gains were to be had from a redesigning of their process or from automation. If any gains were to be had... They refused to share those gains with the workers. They refused to make decisions on those issues with the workers. And so rationally, the workers were like, okay, well, if you're not playing, we're not playing. And I think, so I think that makes sense. So anyway, uh, with, with, that, with that preamble, here's the conversation with Joe. Hey, this is Joe Marshall, uh, former president of Steelworkers Local at uh, Champion Papers, Cortland, Alabama, Local 1161. Uh, I want to just kind of tell y'all how we got involved in a uh, cooperative agreement with the company uh, back in 89-90 we was working under an implemented contract for 18 months we had a uh, pool bargaining agreement with seven major champion paper mills at the time uh, where we was going to uh, let every contract run out and then strike them all at once if we had to. Well, long story short, that agreement between the, between the mills and different locations around the country uh, got kind of hijacked by one group out in Texas, Sheldon and Lufkin, two big mills out there. They... Uh, Ran out from under us and signed a contract short of short of all seven expiring at the same time. When they done that, when they done that, other ones started dropping off and left us holding the bag at Cortland. Uh, in the meantime, the uh, champion, the corporation, had filed board charges on every location that uh, what we was doing was illegal. At the time, at the time, I didn't realize it was, but evidently, somewhere down the line, uh, the International got a little shaky on it and decided that uh, in order to stay out of the out of the courts with it, uh, Champion Champion proposed that they would sign if we would sign a cooperative agreement uh, that they would drop the board charges. Well, that's what happened. The only thing that was in the agreement that was good for my particular local was each local at each location could seek their own autonomy on how much they wanted to participate with the company. Uh, we chose we chose not to get involved in their participation and team concepts. Uh, 
whatever you want to call it, there were several names, but we chose not to and just stick by our old traditional ways. Uh, if they needed something or wanted something and we was interested in talking, we'd talk about it. But otherwise, we wasn't going to we wasn't going to give our members just the right to go out here and jump on every team that that the company made up for them to get involved with and and we was pretty successful with that most of our membership didn't want to be involved with that but but you know there's always individuals here and there that knows more than the union does and uh Want it to want it to get on these teams because some of these people that did get on them got preferential treatment. They worked straight days rather than the swing shift, uh, you know, and that's that's a pretty good deal if you're a seven day swing worker or a twelve hour swing worker. If you can get on days, that's that's a pretty good perk for a lot of people. So uh, yeah, we we had people getting involved with it, but. Uh, the real problem we had with it, we had three locals out there under the very same contract. All three locals negotiated together. I mean, it was all one contract. Uh, one of the locals bought into it lock, stock, and barrel. Best thing that ever come down the pipe. The maintenance local was iffy, but they was pretty heavily involved in it. Uh with trainers and writing training manuals and and things like that, the uh, the particular local that bought off into it, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, we, you know, our opinion was, hey, you're just cutting your own throat. Eventually, eventually, all this means is cutting people's job, uh, and, and and they don't want to do it. They'd rather us do it for them, and then they don't take no blame for it. We couldn't make them understand that. Uh, but you got to know, and I hate to say it this way, the, the, the president of that local didn't think the company could do no wrong. Uh, he had actually been a day shift worker doing strictly union business for a few years before this ever even come out. Our particular local, which was the biggest, and I think at the time we had 670 members in our local, we was the biggest local. Uh, We had more to lose than anybody else. Of course, the company spin on it was, look, Local 1161, This is this is all win-win, which was one of their buzzwords at the time. W-I-N, according to them, W-I-N, W-I-N. Of course, our buzzword was W-I-N, W-H-E-N. You know, we didn't expect to win nothing out of it. But uh, <laughs> what eventually happened, what eventually happened, they wanted to form redesign teams with departments in our local, our membership was steadfast at the union hall that that was not going to happen. We was not going to do that. So we didn't do that. company was highly disappointed that they couldn't convince us that this was a good thing. And, of 
focus most of their efforts on the other two locals. We went on about our business like like normal. This was this was in probably probably the mid probably mid nineteen ninety or late nineteen ninety when this cooperative agreement got signed. Uh Shortly after that, the other two locals got into it pretty hot and heavy. By '93, they had had they had a redesign team in every department they had out there, writing their own paycheck on overtime. You know, they had leaders of these teams that got to work straight days, but they would they would meet on their off days with their redesign teams. Company would feed them every time they met. They wrote their own paycheck basically for their off days so everybody thought that would just swell for them well what eventually happened what eventually happened was this 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 stuff went on from 93 on to late 96 97 and and the company steadily playing the game with the other two locals they playing the game with the company but when the company was finally convinced that we was not going to get on board with it, they called a huge meeting at the Holiday Inn. All three locals, all of their HR people, all of their department heads, which was several, and we met at the Holiday Inn. Now, my local, interested in what was going to happen, probably had 75 members show up and just hang out in the halls or uh, in the atrium waiting to find out what was going on. We got in a meeting and the company announces that they're going to reorganize the spin on redesign and that whether we played the game or not, they had the right contractually to cut jobs all the way across the paper mill. So, uh, they dropped new lines of progression on us, which which showed us two hundred jobs being cut, two hundred jobs being cut, or ten percent of the workforce uh, in one whack. Of course, my members, when I went out in the hall and told them what was going on, they were stomping mad, uh, mad at the other two locals. But we get back, we get back to the mill get back to the mill shortly after that they start company starts talking to the press announces the big cuts uh this was this was 98 so they invited all three locals to set in on uh severance talks uh about seven employees our opinion at the time was we're not gonna we're not gonna get involved with their severance talks because that just means we're agreeing with their cuts and uh, we didn't agree with them. We thought there were some contractual violations that we could we could fight them on, and so we didn't get involved. Quite naturally, it didn't take long before they did start their mass layoffs. Uh, the company had proposed a week's pay and three months' worth of uh, insurance for every year's service. Three months complete insurance, but a week's pay for every year's service. Well, the cutbacks went back 
five years in, in my local. Those individuals, severance was based on five weeks pay before taxes uh, and give up their recall rights. Well, we, we, we wasn't going to do it, and we didn't do it. So they laid our people off. At that time, at that time, we was working shorthanded, forced mandatory overtime every week. Uh, people stressed to no end about how much they was having to work. Uh, couldn't understand it. Really, it got so stressful there, and and I won't necessarily blame a, 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 a fatality in that meal with all being built around redesign, but uh, they had the guy so stressed out that we had a member of our local uh, lose a hand in an accident that before he got to the hospital, he basically was bleeding out, went into cardiac arrest, and died. So it was a, it was a, a fatality that OSHA investigated, and, and the company did have to take the blame for it. But long story short, the grievances started getting filed, and I'm talking about probably one a day every day all across, all across our local. We had cases uh, headed to arbitration, the disciplinary, the disciplinary uh, actions the take company was taking against people in our local started just growing bigger and bigger, which resulted in more grievances and people being uh, uh, suspended three days, five days. That that started getting bigger and bigger. We wound up. We wound up in. Uh, in 2000, after after a two-year war, 98-99, in I went to the company after I after I had been to a confidant in uh, payroll who gave me the numbers for the monthly straight uh, straight time average hours worked uh, or the man hours to, to to run that meal, which was about. 240000 a month and then give me the overtime hours that it was taking to run that mill because we were so short-handed, about 60000 Uh When I done the math on those numbers, they could hire 26 people a month, uh, every month, to uh, for what they, or, or they could hire 26 people full-time for what they was paying in overtime a month. I took it to the meal manager at the time, and, and he basically didn't believe those numbers. He uh, got up. Me and him went to the HR department. The HR department told him my numbers was right. So uh, he basically couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that's what kind of overtime they was paying to run that meal. So what they decided to do was call in a consultant. Our local never, never dealed with their consultants unless, unless, unless they could legally get away with it by calling these little meetings with, with, with uh, individual departments. But uh, we agreed we agreed to make to meet with a, a consultant or basically a mediator. 
he came in. Uh, we settled all of our grievances, every every single one with the exception of one. The company agreed to call back every person in our local. These meetings was in, we was holding these in April. They agreed that they would start immediately and call half of them back within just a couple of weeks and have all of them back by June. Well, really, they called them all back within a month's time. We had all our people that wanted to come back, back at work. Uh, because we didn't negotiate severance. Uh, if, if you got involved with the severance, you gave up your recall rights, and that was our biggest sticking point. We wasn't going to do that for such a little bitty severance package. So uh, we get our members back. The people in the maintenance local didn't have anybody get laid off in it. Uh, the other local, theirs that got laid off and got the severance package couldn't understand what was going on when our members was getting called back. My phone was ringing off the wall from 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 the other locals, people wanting to know why they wasn't getting called back. Well, all I could do was tell them, hey, you got to talk to your president about that. Uh, but quite naturally, that caused, some, that caused some real heartburn amongst folks. But long story short, we made the right decision in that. You had some members that were upset about, uh, upset at some of the leadership for not taking the severance packages, right? Oh yeah, we caught we caught heat big time from from some people, but the day the day they laid these folks off in our local, or every day that they had a mass layoff in our local, I was right there with the employees. You know, I mean, I didn't hide. I wasn't hiding from them. You got to know that most of these guys that was getting laid off. Uh, wasn't regular attendees of union meetings and all they was really getting was to scuttle off the floor didn't really understand what was going on I had one member in my local who didn't have a dog in the race hired in in 1975 uh, never attended union meetings decided he was going to be the hero for this group that was getting laid off and he decided he was going to file charges with the international union on me personally and the local for failure to represent well the international took up his charges and had a trial put put me in the local on trial for for his charge when we, uh, we we made it to Holiday Inn again to do this, I probably had uh, I probably had a hundred supporters there that day. He had about three with him, and when they saw the crowd, his 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 folks bailed out on him, left him holding a bag uh, to testify by himself. Well, they sent the international vice president to do it. This guy. Bob Wages, the former president of Ocal when they merged, uh, he came down to hear to hear the charges. After the trial, which was one day, it was probably two or three weeks before they gave us an answer. And basically, 
they gave us an answer that your local, your, Joe may have made an inept decision, but it was all done in the light of day at the union hall for everybody to see. So therefore, there's no charges uh, with any merit. Well, and th- and that was the truth. But they they took our books. They took our books to review them. And of course, all these books was bound. You couldn't change papers out or nothing like that. Month after month after month, while this decision was was being made about not getting involved with the company, not getting involved with their severance talks, was recorded and supported unanimously by the people who attended union meetings. Uh, with no exceptions, so that's where they got. That's where they got. It was all done in the light of day. Well, after after they couldn't charge us with anything and remove us, we got all our people called back to work. One of our members sent the international uh, a pretty sarcastic letter and saying, "What do you think now?" Well, they turned around and sent us back a letter telling us what a great job we'd done, you know, by getting our members called back. And that's the truth. Uh, so it all worked out in the long run for us. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, wasn't too many years after that. And then uh, the crap hit the fan again. And this time we was, we was talking... Uh, actually shutting down equipment, uh, downsizing the mill with a paper machine, a pump dryer, several, several jobs. Uh, They come to us again and wanted to negotiate a severance. Uh, This time we agreed to it. Uh, We agreed to it because they was literally jobs going to go away that wasn't going to come back. The equipment was not going to come back. Uh, so we negotiated that. First thing we put on the table was in order to negotiate severance, it can't include giving up our recall rights. Company agreed to that. That was unheard of at the time, uh, taking a severance and giving us recall rights. But lo and behold, they agreed to that. Uh, went on about their process and yes we had we had lots of members get laid off during that time uh lots of them got recalled the ones that didn't find other jobs and wanted to come back over over a five-year recall period we had several people got recalled and came back to work at the mill uh but that's that's where that's where we was now i just got to tell you you know i I think we made the right decisions every time. Uh, some of them might be debatable, but most of the time the proof's in the pudding and it all proved out in our favor, uh, including including not playing their redesign and cutting the jobs for the company. During that period of time, during that period of time, uh, the one local that I mentioned, we intercepted some company 
emails, I guess you'd call them, where uh, where their HR departments from various locations around the country would communicate with each other. We intercepted one that just blew my mind. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable. The title of it was Find Some Friends and Light Some Fires. Now, this was all about their redesign process. The letter went on to say that we have got the president of the biggest local in the champion chain in our pocket, which the in the pocket was probably true, but the biggest local, they was mistaken. We was the biggest local. But uh, it went on to say that we're not pushing wood anymore. Now that we got this guy so deep in this and so in this local so much on board with it, now we're going to start playing for keeps and take what we want. Uh, quite naturally, quite naturally, we uh, printed that off and run copies and spread it around. Uh, what they had done still didn't seem to matter, still didn't seem to matter to the ones that were so deeply involved in the other local, but uh, it, it kind of firmed our, our membership up as what they was really up to. Uh, but how they got this local to buy in so deep, I, I can't explain it. I mean, I really can't explain how they got in so deep with this and... and and didn't have no turning back even after the evidence popped up as what they was really up to. They continued right on, uh, all the way up and including severing their own people for a little bitty minute check, give away their recall rights, and uh, left them holding the bag. But over the years, this press continued to get elected. Uh, his people thought he hung the moon. At least, at least the ones who was benefiting the most uh, with their straight day jobs and, and all their little silly titles they tacked on to them. Now, lots of their members who got bumped out of their local and into mine uh, couldn't stand Nebraska, you know, but they didn't have the vote to get him out of there after that. But that's that's where uh, that's that's their redesign by the union in a nutshell. Well, the the you know you you've kind of implied a little bit what the redesign mean and in, in team concept, but but mechanically and logistically, when they were coming to you pitching the redesign and the team concept that so many other manufacturing sectors were using, like the big three automakers at the time. And so the paper mills were trying to, they were kind of getting on board this trend. What, what did that, and, you know, talking about the, the workers cutting their own jobs, what did that actually logistically mean? Like, what did it look like if you participated in the redesign concept? They, they department by deport, department formed teams to come in on their off days and discuss the lines of progression and how things could be done. Lines of progression. Yes. 
in in a paper mill in a paper mill everybody hires in at the bottom in a department and as somebody quits dies gets fired retires uh you advance up the line so that was a line of progression you may go from from reserve on a paper machine to seventh hand sixth hand fifth hand uh fourth third back tender machine tender on up the line the higher the, the higher you went up in the line the better the pay uh lots of times the easier the job got the lower you was the work was piled on you most of the time but uh uh, that's that's what a line of progression was in a paper mill. It, paper mill paper mills ain't a assembly line. Now it's a twenty four seven operation. It never stops. The paper being made never stops. But it's a lot of it's a lot of waiting on paper to come off the paper machine and put it in another machine to convert it and and so forth so on. It wasn't like you were sitting there sticking a widget in something every 30 seconds we didn't we didn't work like that but but what the what the redesign actually done was get these teams together and basically basically supposedly talk about how they could make these lines of progression more efficient uh It's it's really hard to explain because it's it's it was obvious to us is what happens when you buy into it, but these these union members who was who was involved in these redesign teams never dreamed in a in a million years that the company could do without them, or that the company didn't care how much more work they had to do. When they did cut people's jobs, you know the company. The company's little little buzzword was uh, "work smarter, not harder." Well, our buzzword was "we're smart enough to know we're going to be working harder." You know, if we do this, the other ones didn't seem to understand that. But it never came to the point where where the company actually let the redesign teams roll out their redesign because they were steadily playing the game, hoping they would get us involved so we would all be involved at the same time. And then when they made their cuts, they didn't have to take the blame. So what actually happened was they steadily played this game, steadily played it, until they was just absolutely convinced that they couldn't get us on board and they was tired of waiting. So when they got tired of waiting is when they dropped the hammer in uh, 98 and called it a restructuring uh, reorganization is what they called it. Now, they didn't call it a redesign. That wasn't their word then. It done, it done went to to restructuring and that was the buzzword going around all the big companies at the time restructuring the workforce and so forth so so that's how that's how the other local didn't actually ever get to roll some of their redesign out to cut the jobs but the people realized 
uh, when it was when it was dropped on us that oh yeah, unfortunately we helped them. You know the other local. Unfortunately, now we understand we helped them do this right here. So uh, some of them had to suck it up and take some of the blame for it. Now they didn't want to take a whole lot of blame, but uh, they was getting the blame. They was getting the blame. Put it that way. We come out, we come out, although our local took the biggest hit. We took the biggest hit in the 98 cutback, but uh, we still came out. We still came out with uh, uh, recall language that was was necessary and we and we got our folks recalled and that was that was our main goal not to never not to never give away another union brother's job that was our goal from the whole time don't play the game uh so we don't take none of the blame and we were successful at that jacob and that was so the the teams were basically the idea is you're gonna you're going to try to make your job easier so that you have to so that there's less man hours that have to be worked and and so ultimately what that would result in is there's there's going to be jobs being lost yes yes and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example and i hate to admit this but i did i was not the president of the local in uh early 90 early 92 the company had already started trying to roll this stuff out in our local. They'd already got in the other local. We was totally against it, but we we had we had a department that uh, was pretty stirred up that they couldn't play redesign with the company because the local wouldn't allow it. The president of our local at the time. He kind of supported that redesign, and I could give you a horror story about that, but I hate to. But uh, I came in, I came in for some union business one day on my off day, and come into the cafeteria early that morning, and I see a group of uh, people in our local sitting in the cafeteria. And I asked them what they're doing. They said, "Well, we're going to a meeting, Joe." I said, uh, "You don't know nothing about it." I was the area vice president of that department at the time. I said, I ain't heard nothing about it. Y'all ain't nobody told me. Oh, well, we thought the president would tell you. Well, no, he didn't tell me. So uh, I just took my tail with him and went to the meeting. Met with uh, the manager of this department. Went around the room and people asked a few questions here and there. And he was... He was trying to, and the union president was with us. He was trying to convince them of uh, this redesign and what a good thing it was. Meeting was meeting was getting over with. I hadn't said a word the whole time. They asked me, Joe, you got anything to ask? I said, yeah, I just got one thing. Uh, can you tell me this ain't designed to cut jobs? The manager literally looked at the people and said, Joe, that's exactly what it's designed for, to cut the, to cut the head count, was his quote, the head count. Meeting over, when we left the room, this group of employees was all walking along with me, left the union president tagging along behind us. Uh, Joe, Joe, 
we heard it with our own ears now now we understand you know now we understand so that so they eventually settled down uh to tell you and i probably shouldn't tell this tale but it's true and it's water under the bridge now but uh the way i knew that this particular union president was uh trying to get on board with the company I intercepted a a voicemail between the manager of another department and the human resources department and the voicemail was Charles the HR manager this is Bill the cut size manager uh, we got a group of employees down here that would like to uh form a redesign team but the union the union won't let them I talked to the union president and the union president told me that the only way he could get it around the local was to get enough individuals to come down there and run it over the executive board at the union hall so the next union meeting uh course word got out got out that they was coming and uh several of them did come promoting the redesign but there was a lot more who was steadfast against it showed up well they got up and took turns getting up and and telling the local why they thought we ought to get involved with it we had a girl there who uh who got up and spoke for the for the company basically a union member about about redesign and she said I've been through redesign before uh y'all don't know what it's about uh I've been through it well one of our members just just basically hollered at her and said well where'd you work at she said uh Chrysler in Madison well the next question to her was well why ain't you still at Chrysler in Madison she actually said, because I got laid off, <laughs> I thought the roof was going to come off the union hall, man. It was, it, it embarrassed her yeah. terrible, and I felt sorry for her, well, the way yeah. she stuck her foot off in her mouth. But uh, and, and later on, she, she actually become a pretty good union meeting attender, and, but it, it really hurt her feelings bad how, how folks heckled her and... and uh, but for good reason, for good reason, she learned a lesson. But she also, she also, you know, told any other doubters that was there what it done to her at the last location she worked. So, and and you said to you said to me last week one of the, you know, one of your issues with the the redesign and the team concept stuff is that it was all going to be the prerogative of management and you know that one of your things was like well you know look if you really want to do this cooperative management you want to really want to say we're a team get rid of management rights and and let's run the thing together yes yes uh back back a long time ago basically we 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 felt like our cause was wages, benefits, and working conditions. But as we looked around the country and people taking layoffs uh, everywhere, you know, we, we just added number four job security on there. And that was, you know, we had decent wages, benefits, and our working conditions was good. Uh, 
but we knew through redesign the working conditions was going to go all to crap, and we sure wanted to bolster our our uh, security. So so that was our that was our key. Anytime the company brought up to me, uh, yo, you know what what would it take for to get your local involved or, or to get them on board? We we always said that hey you know we're not we're not trying to hurt the company we'll be glad to work with you as long as it's a two way street uh it ain't gonna be your way or or the, or no way uh and all we'll tell you to do is you want us to get involved with you let's write the management right clause out of the contract uh uh and then we'll be able to to sit down and be equal ground then when it come to changing anything we had well of course they wasn't willing to do that by no stretch uh you know i mean they just they just thought that was a laugher but we meant it you know we meant it the only way we was going to be involved at all was that the management right clause they they had signed a supplemental agreement that says hey the management right clause is null and void during the period of this contract you know and uh they would not do that to give you another example of uh, of how bad how bad they wanted to cut jobs and let us do it for them, they they basically give up on the redesign with our local. But uh, in about '93, they come up with a new concept of uh, gain sharing. Now, we'd always been a proponent of true profit sharing. You know, we, we'd be interested in looking at that. They had, a, they had a concept of gain sharing. Here's the bar. You meet the, you meet the goal on the bar. Quarterly, we're going to give you a gain sharing check. Uh, we did meet with the company and, and discuss this. I told them in the meeting that our, our local wasn't interested, really, other than other than uh, uh, straight up profit sharing. They wasn't interested in that. I told them, well, look, the only way we can move forward with your gain sharing, because we think it's designed to cut jobs, and that may be hard to understand, but if you knew the if you knew the way things worked out there, yeah, it was it wasn't hard for us to understand. Uh, we asked them, would they be willing to sign a staffing agreement? And as long as we produced this many tons, we kept this many people. Oh no way, Joe! No way! You know we can't do that. What if we have to? What if we have to shut something down? Well, quite naturally, if they shut a paper machine down, the tonnage would go down, and, and it would give them the right to do what they had to do. Uh, in that meeting, in that meeting, my local wasn't interested in their gain sharing. Really, at the time, it was it was all new to them. Uh, they actually brought a a secretary in there and this was unusual she took shorthand of every word said in that meeting every single word when it was all said and done the meeting was over 
uh, company accused us of sabotaging the game sharing for everybody because we wouldn't play. Uh, I also told the company during those meetings that that we wasn't interested in negotiating game sharing for their salary people and their supervisors, that we didn't care what they paid them, didn't matter to us. We didn't even need to know and didn't want to know. But uh, they don't pay no dues to our local, and we're not negotiating it for them. And this, this deal was across the board. Everybody, uh, salary workers included, too. We wasn't for that. Well, I give the secretary about a week, and I went and seen her. She was the HR secretary, and I said, hey, have you transcribed that shorthand yet? Uh, yeah, Joe. I said, well, you got a copy for me? Uh, are you supposed to get a copy? I said, well, I was in the meeting. I guess I was supposed to get one. She went and got me a copy of the whole thing. Of course, about about 500 copies got run off of that thing, passed all over the mill. And when people seen that the company wasn't willing to, wasn't willing to uh, sign a staffing agreement, most folks understood that, hey, yeah, it was about job cutting too. Everything they'd done through that period of time was all designed to cut our own throats. I mean, it really was, and, and was we smart enough to stay out of that? Well, this went on, uh, went on for a while. The other local, the other local, decided that department by department, they was going to come up with some of these gain sharings in the wood yard and gain sharings in the pulp mill and powerhouse, things like that. And uh, these folks started getting a check. And it was quarterly, and some of these checks was was pretty fat. Now, that really caused some real distress amongst our membership after, after them getting a year and a half's worth of these checks. Uh, probably probably equaled out to 10% of a yearly wage, you know, these, these checks. Lots of folks in my local was starting to get real antsy about not playing it. Uh, jealous, more or less. You know, they wanted in on it. They wanted in on it. This went on for quite a while, you know, these folks getting these checks. Uh, eventually, it led to my downfall. I wouldn't do it. The local, the members that attended the meetings wouldn't do it. Uh, but eventually, that was the only issue on the shop floor was why ain't we getting this money? We want gain sharing. We want gain sharing. So an election come up. Uh, I got voted out. Uh, was out one term. They still hadn't got to the point where they got gain sharing in our local. I ran again, got reelected. So quite naturally, they wasn't going to get gain sharing for that period of time, on, unless the majority of the members forced us into it. Uh, another election come up. I lost again. I lost to the same guy, and. Uh, for the most part, for the most part, he was a pretty good union feller. I don't got no uh, nothing really bad to say about him at all. He really cared and he tried to do the job, but but he got led off into the into the game sharing, 
Uh, we wound up, I got included in a check. Uh, they got deeply involved in it. We got gain sharing in our local. They set the goals, you know. We wound up getting two checks, one the first quarter, one the second quarter. Pretty measly checks, not 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 big at all, three four hundred dollars a member. Uh, but the same year they got their gain sharing was the same year that the company announced the permanent closure of the mill with the Warren Warren Act. So uh, yeah, we got gain sharing all right. But we also got pain sharing all in the same year, and that's you know that's just what I told the folks. Look, you got what you wanted, gain sharing and pain sharing. So how'd that work out for us? <laughs> it wasn't too good. It wasn't too good. But uh, that's where we wind up today, Jacob. Uh, there ain't nobody working down there no more. That mill is completely gone, with the exception of the administration building. Uh, after they shut the place down for for a year and a half, they was wild-eyed rumors going around that oh, they was gonna they was gonna wait till the contract was expired and start the place back up non-union and and I mean it was going around the community like wildfire. They had ever people saying, yeah, my brother-in-law uh, he was installing new air conditioners out there and. Uh, administration building and getting ready to start the place back up well in the meantime in the meantime it wasn't but a few months after that they was in there with big old grapplers just ripping the steel down you know so it's it's long gone and, and that's where we wound up uh, so that's the unfortunate story of, of the local 1161 and redesign and gain sharing and and Working, working with the company, uh, we didn't do it, you know. The, uh, Adam is Adam was a history teacher by trade, and and so he likes to read a lot of history books. and And he asked me if if you had any any thoughts about the steelworkers contract clause that limited management management's rights to introduce new technologies without union review and consent. Did y'all have that in your contracts, or was that standard in the steelworkers? At that time, we had nothing like that. We had nothing like that. Uh, there was a contract where where they got some, well, now put it this way, I don't remember that. If it came up, it probably came up under under management rights. But uh, we was pretty firm believers in uh, that that they would be jobs cut by technology uh, in the paper mill. I mean, uh, online testing and things like that, which which used to take people to do that job, run physical tests on on different things. Uh, no, they implemented online testing and things like that, and uh, it did cut jobs. We didn't have no language to protect us from that. If if they implemented something like that and and it was successful, no, they had the right. They had the right to cut jobs. Now they they did negotiate some training language with us, where we would be allowed to be trainers. Uh hourly trainers of the workforce uh 
but we had some real drawbacks with that. The way our the way our seniority language was structured, you could have people with equal seniority dates, and uh, you know there was no real way to determine who was the better of the two employees when it came time for for a promotion in the line of progression. And, and those promotions was important. I mean, it was a fat raise almost every time you moved up. Uh, we didn't want to give them this testing, testing and training language. They wound up getting it, but we did have we did have some language built into it that the testing and training could not be used for promotions or demotions. Uh, of course, the company's line on it was, oh, the only reason we even want any testing, period, is uh, just so we can review our training program and see if it's working. You know, the test ain't got anything to do with the workers. It's got to do about the program. But uh, that's the closest thing we had to any of that that I, that I can remember. What uh, The other thing, he had another question that he wanted to uh, wanted me to ask you and that's you know there there's a lot going around today about um you know some like rank and file caucuses you saw that like with the chicago teachers union the teamsters for a democratic union their slate won the last presidential election for the teamsters and uh the uaw has a uh, rank and file caucus that they were able to push through the one member one vote referendum here here pretty recently and, and he talked like back in the 70s there was a rank and file caucus in the steel workers that ran and ed sadlowski in 1977 do you remember anything about them and, and ed and no, any involvement in no jacob because in 77 uh uh we was the united paper workers then mm. they was they were several mergers that went on right. between during that time, we merged with some concrete international. We merged with uh, the former OCAL. We merged with uh, the rubber workers. So so we didn't actually become steel workers, and I can't remember exactly the year. Uh, but there was a big merger between what we called PACE then. It wasn't even the paper workers no more. It was the paper allied industrial chemical and energy workers. We merged with the steel workers at a at a convention and uh, become steel workers. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I don't have any history on that. Well, Joe, I I enjoyed it. I think and I think folks are going to enjoy it. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Well, <laughs> I hope I wasn't too rambling and jumping uh, from subject to subject, but uh, no, I think I think feel free great. to edit that all you uh, want to, Jacob. <laughs> I don't think I think I'll be able to to just pump it right out. Put it I on there. It. Put it on there. Until next time, all power to the workers.